As a woman, are you finding it challenging to get traction in a male-dominated work environment? Learn how to navigate the invisible barriers that may be holding you back here on the Stand Out Get Noticed podcast. Hi, Rockstar, and welcome to episode 299 of Stand Out Get Noticed. I'm Christina Cantors, communication skills trainer, speaker, and MC. This episode is a doozy. You're in for a treat. I'm so excited to introduce you to Annalie Blundell. Annalie and I met at the recent Professional Speakers Australia convention, and she is a powerhouse. She's an author, a speaker, a trainer, and she helps leaders to have greater professional impact and build stronger relationships at work. She's all about helping leaders to decode the hidden dynamics that drive human behavior to better understand why people do what they do. Today, we're exploring the communication barriers or double bind that many women at work face today. You'll discover what the challenges and barriers are and how you can navigate them and achieve career success without stepping on toes, without compromising who you are, and without becoming someone you're not. Show notes are at thecmethod.com slash 299. All right, let's meet Annalie. Annalie Blundell, welcome to the show. So excited to have you. Firstly, you are known as the people whisperer. Can you share with us what that actually means? <laughs> of course, yes. Well, you may have heard the term the horse whisperer, the dolphin whisperer, whatever, which is, you know, you have an uncanny connection to be able to speak to an animal who cannot speak for themselves. Well, for me, I liken it to being a people whisperer, which is a reflection of my obsession, Christina, with decoding communication dynamics. I want to know what's going on between people, you know, what is said, what is unsaid, and what is the true meaning behind the way people are trying to relate to one another. Love it. And when did you first realize that you had that passion? Very early on. I reckon I've been reading books on communication and human behavior since I was about 15. Uh, I'm obsessed with autobiographies, with biopics, with I'll, I'll pretty much watch any movie. This is what my husband does. Oh, I want to watch this, you know, gangster heist movie. I go, he goes, it's a biopic. And I go, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to get you, get, get the buy-in. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> now, Annalie, you've written many books and one of them, your most recent one is The Gender Penalty, which I'd love to dive into today. And I know that a lot of the focus is around women and the obstacles that hold them back from succeeding at work. Now, in your opinion, Annalie, what is the biggest challenge facing women in the workplace today? Well, we can roll up all the micro challenges into one big issue. Um, and that's really around the distinction between being leader-like and ladylike. And what I mean by that is women face this double bind of society has conditioned women to act, communicate, think and behave in a certain way that fits the gendered female stereotype, right? So typically that's to be warm, helpful, humble, nurturing, supportive, empathetic, all those, all those good things. We've also been conditioned to expect uh, leaders to operate in a certain way and they are usually to be authoritative to be direct to be bold to be decisive 
Now, we usually associate those characteristics with men. And so what happens is women face this double bind because in the workforce, they're either seen as ladylike or which means they are thereby not seen to be leader-like. So when they try and take up all those good pieces of advice around how to be seen as a leader, all of a sudden they're violating the gender stereotype of being ladylike. So they're damned if they do and damned if they don't. Do you see this playing out with your clients? Certainly I see this all the time with my clients. So, for example, a lot of my female clients, I coach both men and women around communication, influence, presence. And what I notice is men are often coached to display more EQ, more empathy, more transformational leadership skills, and women are coached to show more authority, more gravitas, have more executive presence. And um, so what I notice is that women will often get confusing or conflicting feedback. So you're really good at your job. We know you can get stuff done, but we're really not seeing that you know, leadership quality, you know, we need you to be more authoritative. So women, you know, they're more decisive, they're more bold, they're, they're, you know, they stand firm or they push back or hold to their ideas to be more authoritative and then they get fit. So now they're violating the ladylike norm. So now they get feedback that says, you, you need to tone it down a little. <laughs> You're putting people off, you know, back in your box, lady, you need to be a little nicer. Can you be a bit more friendly, a bit more warm? And that's where it becomes really confusing for people. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like there's this expectation that women need to be two different things, like have two different identities or ways of being. Is this something that most women are aware of in the workplace or do you think that they just find themselves not progressing or getting this feedback and then not being really sure why it's happening? The latter. They're confused about it. They don't really – they don't – understand that this is an underpinning uh, gender issue Mm. actually because a lot of women Mm. will personalize this stuff one of the biggest pieces of feedback I get when I run my women at work programs when we talk about you know the gendered leadership landscape and how to navigate in a male-dominated environment is women say I thought it was just me I really did think these were just my issues and I tried so hard to fix it and to be better. But what I'm realizing is it actually doesn't matter what role you have, what industry you're in or what company you work for, because what I'm hearing is all these women are getting the same kind of feedback. You know, we're experiencing the same kind of issues and that is liberating because what I say to them then is we have to be able to move from personalization to normalization. This is what's going on. It's not just you, it's everyone, so that we can mobilize against it. Mm. So Annalie, can you tell us more about that? Because, you know, I think a lot of the times women are hearing that they need to do something, like they need to improve themselves. So it's it's like something specific to them as an individual. But yeah. it sounds like generally what you're talking about, it's actually a cultural yeah. or systematic change that needs to happen. Yes. Can you share more about what you think needs to happen in order to fix this? Well, it's a twofold approach. And I love that you're asking that question because most people aren't asking the question. Mm. And so what we get is a whole bunch of women saying, I need to build confidence. I need to build, you know, assertive communication. And and I say, yes, I, I teach women those things. So yes, do all those things. 
But there comes a point where women say, you know, I'm done fixing myself, Annalie, right? I've done all the work I want to do. I just want that goddamn promotion, you know. <laughs> I, I feel I'm ready, but I'm not seen to be ready. So there's two things going on here. Yes, women do need to do some work because they're professionals in the workplace. Every man, woman and child has to work on themselves to continue to grow and develop, right? You can't get away from that. But that's only half the story. Society has to meet women there. So, you know, we might say to women, you just, you need to speak up more, right? You need to speak up more. Women say this, get this a lot. You need to speak up more in meetings. So they do, they speak up more, but you have to understand the environment that they're speaking into so half the reason they don't speak up more is when they do, they're discounted, overlooked or ignored or they're interrupted and cut off. So they don't bother anymore. So if you say to a woman, oh, we're not hearing from you, speak up more and they do and then they get cut off or interrupted or discounted, there is no point in giving that feedback and asking a woman to do half the work if society, i.e. the management, the policies, the cultural norms, don't meet them halfway. So why do you think that when they are speaking up, uh, why why are they getting interrupted or discounted? So we've been socialised, men and women as boys and girls have been socialised to communicate in different ways. Okay. So women or girls typically are socialised for their communication patterns to be uh, to make space, to accommodate everyone, right? To play nicely with others, to to not take the spotlight but shine the spotlight on someone else, right? So our aim is to connect with you. So uh, this will be to elevate others, make them feel good, I, and so to make you feel good, yeah, exactly, nurture, affirm. So to make you feel good, one way to prop you up is to bring myself down. So I might... Um, minimize my certainty or, or so that you can look like the hero in the conversation. I might use indirect speech. Do you have an example of maybe someone with a specific upbringing that they mm-hmm. had that, that, you know, something that they were told to do or behave from young, which then led to that conditioning? You see this a lot in many of the Asian cultures. So this is something I'm seeing more and more. So again, typically when women are conditioned to give people space in conversations, that's one thing. But then if you overlay other upbringing elements like, um, so actually we, we know that parents typically give boys more space to speak. Teachers give boys more space to speak. Um, university professors give more boys more space to boys men young men more space to speak so society treats the voices of men and women differently men are expected and invited and allowed to take up space women are expected to make space then you can add the the cultural overlays on top of that like for example the asian culture which i was saying before where there's even more on top of that of you know being quiet and and not voicing or expressing opinions because it's you know it's not part of the culture and like respecting elders respecting your teachers people who are senior to you yes Absolutely. So if we if we look at the other angle here, so we've got how yeah. boys are socialized. So boys are socialized to, you know, they get credit by being the center of attention, the loudest, funniest, quickest, most competitive, the one that wins, right? So they're sort of conditioned into this competitive space. It's about elevating self. It's about, you know, minimizing doubts. You know, it's um, direct speech. It's about being authoritative versus being accommodating. Mm. So if you take those dynamics and you say women have been conditioned to take a step back and make space 
and wait to be invited in. And men are being conditioned to take space and expect others to get themselves in. We're already two steps apart. So what's your approach, Annalie? I mean, obviously you work with people to build confidence and learn those skills. How do you teach people to then deal with the other side of the coin when they then have a negative response to this newfound assertiveness and confidence? Well, it depends who you're getting the feedback from. <laughs> so if this is coming down the chain, you know, you're having a skip level meeting and it's, you know, two levels above you saying that, I just say yes and smile and don't don't raise it in that moment. But if this is, you know, if you're getting this kind of conflicting feedback, it's worth putting something into the conversation to just stimulate the curiosity and the thinking around where is that feedback coming from? So, for example, if someone said to me, uh, oh, you you know, you, you seemed quite aggressive in that meeting, Annalie. You know, you seem like you are being really difficult. I might say something like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. That's not, that was not my intention. What did you hear me say? Well, I heard you say that we're not going to go ahead with this project. Okay, right. Is that a fair enough comment to make? Sure, we're not going to go ahead with the project. Well, I'm just curious if Bob had said that, the way I said that, would we be having this conversation? Because what I know from research is that women tend to be heard as being overly aggressive when they're just being assertive. So I'm just, I just want to be clear here on where this is coming from. I'm sure that's a conversation that a lot of people have not thought about having or bringing up. But, yeah, really good point. Yeah, and it's not an easy conversation to have. Yeah, right. It's not it's not something that you would run out after your first, you know, <laughs> initiation into this world of gendered communication dynamics to say, hey, I think you're just saying that because you're a man and I'm a woman and, you know, you don't even realize it's happening. I mean, it's it's we have to warm into step one is being aware that there are gendered dynamics in the communication. And step two is how do we help other people notice this? How do we share our stories? How do we say, hey, I noticed that this happened in the conference. Did you realise I didn't get a chance to finish my sentence in that meeting we had? Did you notice it took me three goes because I was interrupted three different times? I'm just wondering if you can help me with that. Perhaps next time you can come in and say, hey, I'd love to hear what Anne Lee has to say. Could you let her finish her sentence, please? You know, we need to be talking about what's going on. So bringing it up with the person that did the interrupting? Yeah, and there's different strategies for this. So, you know, I like to counsel people, if this is the first time it's ever happened, you know, maybe take the person aside after the meeting and have a quiet word. You know, there's no point shaming anyone in the moment. Um, if you think this is nothing to do with you, this is actually a conversational style of that person and they do it to everyone, don't personalise it perhaps go to others or your manager or someone to say, hey, this person's a bit difficult to deal with. If it happens routinely, you've talked to them outside the meeting, maybe you've talked to their manager, they've talked to them, like you've done all the things that you think will help and it hasn't helped and it's time to get a little bit more firm, then I would cut it in the moment. So it could be something like, I'm not finished speaking. Just give me a moment. Thanks. Or, oh, I'm Right, so addressing it right there. On the spot, on the spot, because what we need is a pattern interrupt, right? So we've got people who are conditioned to remember, take the space. And here's the other thing. This is a really important 
difference between the the way men and women are conditioned to communicate. So men expect debate. They expect ritual opposition, right, because it's part of the jostling for the top dog position. So if I say the report needs to be blue, someone will say, oh, Bob, you're out of your mind. It needs to be red. Don't be stupid. And, and, you know, John says, oh, no, I absolutely think it needs to be blue. And we expect this debate. And then afterwards, it's cheers, beers and pats on the butt and everything's fine, right, because that's just part of the game. Whereas women don't expect ritual debate. We We avoid debate. We go for ritual support which is why we over-apologise. Oh, I'm sorry, I cut you off, Christina. Sorry, I wanted to hear what you said. Oh, sorry, I know I'm not an expert in this, but, you know, maybe we could consider this instead. So we have that sort of um, subordinate style speech, whereas men have the dominant style speech. And so if we're in conversation and I'm expecting someone to take care of me in the conversation and they're expecting me to take care of myself, (laughs) we're at odds. And they're going to dominate me every single time. So I need to understand that this is not personal. It's just how we've been conditioned and that I need to step into that dialogue exchange and say, hey, 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 this is not how I play the game. You know, if if, if we need to be in dialogue now, well, I need it to be, you know, here's, here's my opinion or here's my thought. I have to get into that conversation so I can lead it perhaps to a, a, a different way of communicating, if that is my intention. Mm. You know, as you were speaking, I was thinking about, like, let's say a woman does speak up and is assertive, and then all of a sudden, mm. oh, you're not seen as ladylike, and oh, you're too abrasive. My question is, so what? Yes. Like, so does what? how, like, so <laughs> what if I'm seen as abrasive in the workplace? Who mm-hmm. bloody cares? Mm-hmm. Like, if you can show that you get the results done, And if you get the results and you get the job done and whatever, surely in this results-driven society that we live in, surely that's okay. So my question is, does it really matter? If we're not seen as ladylike, what are the consequences? Yes. (laughs) Well, you choose how much it matters. It's a really good question and and I wish women would ask it of themselves more often, right, instead of just assuming it matters. What if it doesn't matter? That's the first question. And if you choose to let it matter, to what extent do you want to let it matter? So it may be that um, I don't mind if you think I'm abrasive because I know I need to get this done and I know you're just making that assumption. You don't know me. It's the first time we've interacted. But everyone who means anything to me in this world of work knows who I really am and knows I'm an even warm, balanced you know, personality. So it's just this momentary perception. I'm totally okay with that. Go hard, right? If it's your boss and they have this intractable perception of you and it is stopping you from getting a promotion, then I would I would dial up the warmth cues and soften those direct cues just so you can uh, recraft that perception if that's what's holding you back. So I guess it's about looking at you know, what are the real, what's the real challenge here or the real consequence, I should say, because I know that like I have clients who say, oh, my my team sees me as the nice manager. And so therefore I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, which means I never give them any constructive or negative feedback, which means I end up doing their work for them (laughs) or, you know, I'm fixing their work. So it actually makes my clients' lives more difficult. Mm. And I have a, I have a number of clients who are like this. And my question to them is, 
well, can't like, do you have to be a nice manager? Can't you yeah. be an effective manager who gets along with your team, but yes. you're still constructive, you know? We don't have to be nice. Like I believe there's different ways you can yeah. be, you know, liked without needing to be nice. You know what I mean? And and for those for those of you listening who are thinking, yes, I'm that nice manager. It's really important to be nice. Uh, in my coach training, got 17 years ago, I still remember this. Uh, my trainer at the time said, you know, nice. Nice is just an acronym for nothing in me cares enough to give you the truth. <laughs> So, you know, you have to be thinking about, yes, nice, are you nice, good, but to what cost? And actually what we know is that human beings grow and develop at the intersection of uh, of challenge and support, challenge and support, right? So if you have too much challenge, it's too hard and you opt out, you won't continue. But if you have too much support, it's not hard enough. There's nothing to strive for. There's nothing to, you know, to win or achieve. And so you also opt out. So we have to have that perfect balance of, of, um, of, of, of those levers. And so if you're just on that nice edge, people don't respect you because they can't trust that you'll give it to them straight when they need that feedback. And I truly believe that there is a way that you can deliver constructive feedback in a warm way. It doesn't have to be a cold, mean way. Like there's definitely ways. And and that leads me to my next question, Annalie, around, you know, let's say, let's go back to that meeting room situation where we want to be assertive and make our point and potentially interrupt someone. Do Mm -hmm. you have, you know, a specific way that we can shift our communication in order to be assertive, but also deliver it in a warm way? Yes, it looks like you're walking a very fine tightrope. And welcome to the world of women folk. <laughs> so, yes, we can do this. We got this. Exactly, we, we do. And we have. So what you're describing is literally the balance between warmth and strength, right? So we know 82% of the judgments people make about us are based on these two variables. How warm, how likable are we? How strong, how capable are we? So men just need to show capability and they're seen as confident leaders. Women need to show capability and warmth to be seen as confident leaders. So when you're communicating, you need to be doing both. So I would say it's it's an, and a way to do it to reduce the social backlash you get by being too strong as a woman is to focus on strength cues that are below conscious. So I'm talking about nonverbal strength cues. And then you can come in with softer language, softer tonality, a head tilt and a smile, but you've got stronger nonverbal cues. So, right, because so I might I might smile at you and say, Christina, we can't move forward with that project. Yep. So you're so doing I it with look- a smile. You're doing I'm it with smiling. a smile, but you're doing it with yes. really strong body language and yes. and a strong tone or are we softening this, the tone here? We've got a strong tone, but we've got soft words. This is something we will, you know, we can consider this. Maybe we can't give you an answer straight away, but let's look at it in the next quarter. So my tone goes down at the end. That's a strength cue. We're not doing up talk. I'm not showing I'm unsure. I'm showing that I'm strong. I'm definitive. My head's on straight. My, my body posture, my body language is open. But my but my words are softer. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's more hedging language. It's more indirect language. Now, this is just if you have to manage the backlash for being too strong. Otherwise, I say go hard, be strong. Say the report needs to be blue. This should have been considered on Friday and it wasn't. I move that we make this conversation happen today. Just say it. Be be effective. Just say it and deal with the consequences because I'm so having to pander to be palatable and be ineffective. You have two choices. You can be palatable to society as a nice woman, a good girl, or you can be effective. Be effective. (laughs) Be effective. 100%. I love it. And it's funny how, you know, I say this a lot where I think if you're not used to being really assertive and you have those strong strength cues, you probably think that you're going to be too strong when you are probably not actually being strong enough. So I say take Annalie's advice and just go for it. Even if it feels uncomfortably strong, go for it. And it may very well be that you're hitting a really great balance. And it's like that whole beg for forgiveness thing. Like if they come back to you and say, oh, no, that was too strong, you can always dial it back. Yes. But you're never going to know if you've reached that threshold until you go over. Yes. Yeah, I love it. 100%. Annalie, can I ask, what is the worst advice you see being given to women at work who are looking to succeed? For me, it's the just speak up more. You know, and, and we talked about this before, right? So just speak up. And I say, well, if you give a woman that advice without interrogating the reality around what is it in the culture that is causing her not to speak up, you're putting the burden of that fix all on her shoulders. So before saying you should just speak up more, I'd have a dialogue. I notice we don't hear from you very often in meetings. Can you tell me more about that? What is experience for you like in these meetings? How comfortable do you feel talking? You know, whatever it might be. And so you give them the opportunity to share the experience. You can then make the assessment how much of this is environmental and how much of it is. It may be that they do just need to speak up and that's fine, but let's not assume it's because they have nothing to say. I'm telling you now, Christina, women do not lack for good ideas and clear perspectives. So it is not that they have nothing to contribute. And when we start to explore the environment and if we discover that, okay, it's actually the workplace that's been, you know, non-conducive to my development, how do we make that decision where we go from, where we go, you know what, maybe this isn't the right workplace for me. Maybe I'll never progress here. Not so much because of your abilities, but more of the environment. The quicker you can make that assessment, the better it will be for your career. So, you know, do all that you can do, work on yourself, go to all the courses, you know, do what you can do. Mm. And if that is not effective and you keep getting overlooked or you keep getting told you're not ready yet or we need more experiences, which is what women get told the most in performance reviews, um, and you know it's not because of that because you've seen Larry next to you who started after you is now being promoted over you and you're thinking, no, this is not right, then get out. 100%, 100%, the quicker the better. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Annalie, tell us about your book, The Gender Penalty, Turning Obstacles into Opportunities for Women at Work. Tell us who it's for and what can people expect to get from it? It's for women in male-dominated industries and it's to help women navigate an unequal leadership landscape. 
So I want women to get really clear on the obstacles that are presented to them. So they, A, don't personalize it. Remember, we need to normalize it so we can mobilize against it. But more than that, I don't want to just bang on about, oh, well, is us and here's all the drama. I want to say, that's fine. It is what it is. But how can we practically and strategically do something about that? So it's a very practical guide. There's lots of um, tips and strategies tips and tricks tips and tricks um, there's a huge digital bonus that you can download that has cheat sheets and coaches playbooks and um, chit chat clubs which is for you know book clubs all these all these tools that can help you navigate the practical inequity that you may be experiencing exactly like what we've been talking about today so good Annalie was there anything I didn't ask you today that you would like me to ask what a great question. Uh, you could ask me, do you have a quiz that people can take to find out what penalty they may be facing? And yes, I do. <laughs> I do. And uh, how about I send it to you and we can put it in the, in the, in the notes. <laughs> Amazing. So good. Let's do that. So yeah, if you're wondering, you know what, maybe if you're unaware of what challenges you might be facing in the workplace, sounds like that would be a really good quiz for you to take. Well, Annalie, it's yes. been such a pleasure having you on the show. If people want to connect with you, where can they go? They can Google me, AnnalieBlundell.com. You'll find everything you need there. Thanks so much again, Annalie. Thanks, Christina. Isn't Annalie amazing? I had so much fun in this interview and I learned so much and I really hope that it's given you some things to think about. You might want to share this episode with some colleagues, both men and women, at work if you think they need to hear it. You can find Annalie um, at AnnalieBlundell.com. I'll link up to where you can connect with her, of course, in the show notes. In the meantime, have an amazing couple of weeks and I'll see you in the next episode. Keep on being awesome, Rockstar. I'm Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. (laughs) 